Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios at Silver Birch Ranch in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. And it's another day and another conversation is about to be had with some jokes flying, but some seriousness as well, because that's what we like to do on the show. We do. Is talk about everyday life from a, from a boomer and from a millennial perspective. Um, but it, really just dialogue. It's really about dialoguing because I feel like that's something that is missed um, in culture nowadays is, is being able to dialogue without um, being angry or, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I think it's so important that you try and find truth, and truth isn't something rel- you know, that's relative that you can... Truth, it's funny because Christians keep saying, you know, truth is important, truth is important, and then they say something that may not be truth. Yeah. So they put it in that category. Like, in, in let's use the pandemic, for example. Yeah. You know, the, the government, you shouldn't take a vaccine. And the next Christian doctor says, you should take the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Both of them are saying, that's truth. Right. It's like, like, it may be. I don't know. But I'm not going there. Mm-hmm. Because truth, to me, has to be defined well in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's opinion. It's what I think. It's based on something. I understand that. And honestly, Whatever you want in those areas, I'm not going to argue. Right, right. And I think that's the right approach. But, you know, through the years, Christians have been very interesting in what they hated, what they really tried to ban as Satan. Mm-hmm. Um, coffee, they used to, when it years ago. Really? Oh, yeah. And now you go to any church and there's a coffee. You know, there's a coffee pot. Coffee everywhere. That's right. So something along the way changes. Yeah. And culturally, there's certain things that people look at and say, this is evil. I guess it could be. Mm-hmm. Anything could be evil. Yeah, I mean, anything out of control could be. So I don't know. But yeah. in, in, you got to be careful when you start using the word truth. Right, right. Because that's a very narrow definition. And, and I think I, if you've listened to us much, I was like going back and saying, there's, there is a God. I'm not him. Okay, now we got that truth established. Mm-hmm. Now, now we can go from there and discover what he says in the Bible. And I think that's an important thing because as we talk intergenerationally, whoever you're talking to, truth doesn't really change. Culture Mm -hmm. does. Right. Absolutely. So the real truth, if it's changed through the years, it's not truth. Mm -hmm. Because the truth, according to God and according to himself, you know, he's the same yesterday, today and forever. The truth is going to remain the same. Yeah. And I would encourage you, if you're really going to talk about truth, Narrow it down to the few things that are in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, that, that. and that would be a good foundation. It would be. And your kids who go to school, yep. pub, yours go to a public school. They do, yeah. At least two out of three so far. Two out of three. The younger one wants to, but he's not old enough. Yeah, there you go. Um, so he probably pretends he is. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the bottom line really is, okay, they go to a public school. You are a Christian dad. Your, your wife, obviously, a believer. You know what truth is in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So how do you help children understand that all viewpoints are not truth and still love people and respect them? How do you do that? Well, you have to have a foundation for the truth. Okay. You know, and so that's that it's those principles then that you have to say, all right, here's the the truth behind it. And so when you live this out, here's where it goes. And it's not just because everybody else is doing it doesn't make it true. Right. You know, there has to be something behind it that makes it true. Yeah. You know, and so you do that in the most simplest ways as you can, and sometimes it takes a few times for them to get it. Yeah. Um, and that's that, that, That's a process. 
And I think the dialogue at home, I think everyone has to check their dialogue because it's so easy to talk in ways where what you say becomes truth to those children and then they argue with people about it. Yeah. And it's if, if you don't agree with my mom and dad, then, you know, you guys are absolutely wrong. Yeah. Well, maybe there's a way to talk at home that doesn't demean everyone that disagrees with you. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's take the the easy, you know, some easy things. Like, let's say you vote one party or the other as far as election goes. You're Republican yeah. or Democrat or whatever. And you begin to talk at home as if, man, anyone who votes for that other party, they're you know, that's of Satan. That's evil. That's mm. now all of a sudden your kids hear other people that are voting that way. Mm-hmm. They can't even talk to them. Right. Because those people are of Satan and evil. Yeah. Now, I think we have to be careful in those private moments at home how we talk mm-hmm. because we're creating people who can't dialogue. Yeah. Because of the way we call everybody else either names or wrong or satanic or. Something else. Something so you gotta else. gotta be yeah. careful. In fact, it would be fine to say this is what you know, mom and I think. Mm-hmm. People disagree with us for this reason. Yeah, we really think this is what we should be doing. And what you've just done is allow other people to have a dialogue on it and not lock it into if somebody disagrees with us, they're attacking mom and dad. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of important to, to grab. So. I think it's very careful, or even you can talk vaccination status or whatever. Oh, yeah, you know, um, or food. I, you know, some people are very strict on what their kids eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hasn't been unusual for me to be at camp and get rebuked by a young child for eating something. <laughs> <laughs> that oh, is evil to eat. Yeah. It's like, mm, okay. You know, if I see them and they're bothered by it, I won't eat it. It's not that big of a deal to me, but... Yeah, that's funny. I, I, I immediately picture at home parents lecturing them how evil it is to eat this or how wrong it is to eat this, and now they can't allow anyone else to eat it. Mm-hmm. And I think all of us have been with people who we trip their button somehow if we start doing something that they are trying to convince themselves or other people they shouldn't be involved in. Right. And I want to suggest as an older guy, that's not a real healthy thing to teach your kids. Right. And and I think there's dialogue when those moments do happen with your children, because obviously the, it's going to happen even if you approach it differently. Oh, absolutely. You know, like even, uh, for example, like screen time. Right. You know, I mean, my boys go to pu- like public school. And so there's a vast range of how much screen time is appropriate. And so other kids might have seen this show, this show, this movie, this yep. movie. And so then my boys come home and say, oh, can we watch this? So it's like, no. Yeah. Well, why? Johnny gets to do it. Or so, you know, whatever. And it's, and so it's a, it's another teachable moment of saying, all right, here's here's where we're at. This is what we think. Yep. You know, and and that's 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 part of life, because no matter what it is, if it's something so simple or even, you know, more in depth as politics, it, it, it spans the gamut. And like you said, Dave, it's so important on how you teach even the dialogue behind it. Right. You know, because I could just say, well because we said so. Right. But that doesn't help. No. You know, and so that's where the more that you can dialogue about these issues and even try to explain. I know that, you know, one thing as a parent that I know is that it's sometimes not easy explaining in understandable terms right. for a seven-year-old. But what I have learned is that it's better for me to try than to just say, well, just because. You're right. You know, 
and there are times where it's just like they might not get it and and they their understanding is well it is just because yeah but that's where you just keep revisiting it until hopefully that understanding gets there and sometimes it takes time and we've talked about that before on the show where sometimes there's the aha moment, you know, whether it's, you know, you share the story about your daughter in the road. Right. And all of a sudden, you know, you drew a line, all of a sudden there was a dead animal. It's like, oh, click. I yeah, got it. Right. And sometimes you just have to wait for those moments. And the more intentional we have, I think that the core behind it is, like you said, Dave, at home, it's creating that, that opportunity in the atmosphere to dialogue about truth and why you believe why you believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maximizing on the things that are, that are, rock salad but the things that like are more opinionated being careful to say well this is what we think right and here's why yeah and i think it's equally important as you do that one of the great stresses in culture is the fact that everyone wants to be the same or get treated the same right and i think it's important at home for you to establish the fact that different is not bad right it different is okay Mm -hmm. there is an absolute, and that's God. Yeah. If you want to have a different opinion than God, that's where you're wrong. But there are very few things, actually, right. in the Bible that are so absolute. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's absolute that there is a God. It's absolute that we're sinners. It's absolute that Jesus died for us. I mean, there's there's some absolutes. Yeah. Um, I, I would even say marriage is an absolute, and there's certain things that the Bible teaches that are absolutely true. And so I would teach that to my children, and I would say the authority is God yeah. because he knows what he's talking about. But the idea of uniqueness mm-hmm. is so shunned. I mean, people want to be either equal, and they say, I want equal treatment in work or whatever. In reality, I've learned they don't want equal treatment. They want better treatment. Mm-hmm. They just use the word equal because no one will bark at them right. on that one. And I think when I look at the body of Christ illustration in the Bible, there's, you know, my knee and my elbow, I guess, are equal, mm-hmm. but they do different jobs, so they're different. Right. And I really like that they're different. Yeah. And I want them to develop different mm-hmm. because they're different. And I and my elbow, if, if they had feelings or whatever, I mean, they need to be okay with the difference. They have a different role, and they have to be okay with it. So children that are growing up in a home you know it's like do you understand it's not important to be equal it's important to be who you are and know the truth in the bible it cuts across everyone who is Mm -hmm. but then enjoy the fact that you're different than other people there are artists out there there are musicians out there there are you know people in church that stand with their hands down to their side or something raise their hands you know whatever Mm -hmm. there is no absolute on some of those things so in your life, start to embrace the idea that you're uniquely made by God mm-hmm. and it, respond to the things that are the same for everybody. Yeah. But you don't need to be the same. In fact, they, they, as an old teacher, one of the, the things that drove me crazy is when people want you to treat all your students the same. Mm. It's like, I can't. Little Jimmy over there is bouncing off the wall. Yeah. Little Jane always does exactly what I say beyond what I say and is always waiting and anticipating what I need to do in order to make her smarter. Yeah. Now, you want me to treat those two the same? <laughs> How do you do that? Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's a question that has to be answered through time, and it's, it's a question that's been there forever. 
But you have to be able to say, okay, how do I treat people with the core respect that they deserve for how God made them, but respect the fact that they're uniquely created? Mm-hmm. That's something that I think you, if, as you're married, talk to your spouse about that. How do we do that with our kids? How do we get them to accept their unique abilities and even at the same point realize I'm going to treat them a little differently? Mm-hmm. Because I'm going to treat them differently because of the, what they display in life. Now, some parents do not want to treat children differently at all. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I don't know. They're different. I wouldn't treat them the same. Because if you treat them the same, you're really choosing one kind of personality and catering the rest to it. Yeah. So maybe you need to talk about what you need to do to help each one of them excel as they are. And I think that's a little bit more work, so we don't do it as much. Yeah. You know, it, well, and it takes more intentionality. Oh, man, yeah. And, and with intentionality, like you said, it comes work and effort. Yeah. And sometimes we just want the easiest path. Well, and sometimes it's just a dialogue. So just as you and I are dialoguing, like when somebody says, well, that's not equal or that's not fair, you go, you know what? Sometimes in life mm-hmm. things aren't. Well, I mean, you think about it. Our whole faith is unfair. Right. And we don't deserve exactly. Jesus. That's that's the whole point. That's right. Yeah, you know, and right. so and so I think th- it, it, there's that whole comparison game that we get that we get sucked into. Yep. But like you said, I think I think it's so important to, for us to understand that being different isn't a bad thing. No. But I think our culture continues to try to portray that difference is bad, and that's where the comparison game comes into. Right. And that's where a lot of people struggle is because then they get sucked into. Well, how do I look? How do I feel? I don't feel like that. I don't look like that. So I must not be good enough. And and you just spiral through these these lies and these deceptions that Satan is trying to get you to believe and you start believing and then you can't even get out of it because you're not in a, in a healthy dialogue saying, you know what, it's actually okay to be different right. from the rest of it. Well, and what's really interesting too along that line is, I mean, some people might be listening saying, so Dave and, and, and Jason, you're saying, if I work for a company and I'm female or something, it's okay not to get equal pay for equal work. That You're missing my dialogue mm-hmm. at that point. Right. I'm not saying you don't get equal pay for equal work. That to me isn't equality in a way. Yes, it is. You should have, if you're digging ditches right next to somebody else, you should both, whatever. Whatever you get paid, you get paid. Yeah. And And if it's equal work, I'm fine with equal pay. That isn't a problem for me. I'm not talking about that. I do think that we have to start taking ownership of our lives, though. If you don't want to work for somewhere because you don't think you're being treated right, then go work somewhere else. Mm-hmm. See, that to me is a responsible thing, not to keep trying to change whoever owns the company or whatever the structure is. You can make it a noble cause if you want. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is, you know, when I used to teach school, my, I had so many dialogues with the administration and principals there that, that I taught with. There were several times where I told them, okay, well, if that's really what you think, then I'll leave. I'll go work at Walmart or something. Mm-hmm. And and they stopped me as I walk out. Right. It's like, well, I'm, I don't need to change you. Yeah. But I'm not going to work with that condition. Mm-hmm. And so then we had to talk it through. Mm-hmm. And and through the time, we had such great rela- I had such a great relationship with the those in charge because I was always honest with them that way. Mm-hmm. I didn't go and start a union thing or anything behind their back. I didn't go and try and you know, change the world. I just said, oh, well, if that's the way you have to operate, then maybe I shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. 
And I was like, really? Yeah. You're not going to change how you operate? Not in that area. You know, I, one specific, for example, I, you, you had to be a part of the union to be a teacher, and I, I said I didn't want to be because of the fact that they were taking union dues and supporting abortion with it. I said, I don't want to do that with yeah. my money. So I unauthorize you to take it out of my check. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, you have to be in the union to work here. That's the rule. I said, okay, I'll go pack my desk up. And I started to walk out. And, yeah. and they, they basically came and said, wait a minute. And eventually the, the board made an exception for me and let me stay there. Hmm. And I said, you don't even have to do that. If really that's your conviction, I don't have to work here. Yeah. Nobody says I have to work at this school district. Mm-hmm. So if you really want to have everybody that way, I'll leave. Yeah. That's how simple we, we can do it. It didn't work. They didn't want me to. They changed it. Fine. Now everyone else had to be part of the union, but not me. So now things weren't equal right. you know, for everybody. Yeah, yeah. However, most of the others wanted to be. I, it wasn't really an issue for anyone else. Mm-hmm. It just was for me in that environment, and I agreed to leave. And I don't know how many people I have counseled through the years that They've come to me with these concerns about it's just not fair where I work. I said, well, leave. Mm-hmm. And they look at me like I'm the problem then. Yeah. Or, well, yeah. How's it going to change, Dave? I don't know, but why do you have to work there? Mm-hmm. Just tell them, you know, I can't work with this and leave. Mm-hmm. I, you're not a prisoner. This isn't a prison of war camp or anything. Yeah. And I think we, we lose the idea that we can still make decisions in the context of being unique. Mm-hmm. There's probably somewhere that would appreciate your uniqueness. Go find them. Right. Absolutely. Or, start, or maybe you're supposed to start your own thing or whatever. I know here at, at camp at Silver Birch Ranch, Nicolay Bible Institute, we thoroughly enjoy the individuals and who they are and their talents and abilities and their differences. And those are things you can focus on and drive you absolutely nuts. Mm-hmm. Or you can focus on and say, boy, that's good. That difference is here and that difference is here and that difference is here. And we take advantage of it. Yeah. And through the years, God has blessed the work, I think, because of all the individuals that have come who have been able to be free to use their individual talents and abilities and skills. And it's all different. I mean, mm-hmm. it's all different. People see it different, do it differently. However, it's all under one truth, which is to know Christ to make him known. So you've got that one overriding principle with all these different people involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, I guess if you came to me one day and said everything's got to be the same for everyone, I would just say, it can't be. Mm-hmm. As much as I would like it to be. Yeah. It, it can't be. Everybody can get the same, I guess, brainwave, like my knee and elbow. Yeah. But they're going to do different things because they're gifted differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember once, uh, you, you know this guy, but he was working here and he was actually working with the horses. Yeah. And he's here, I forget how many years, but maybe 10 or maybe less. I can't remember. And one day as we were talking, I just was able to uh, discern that he just didn't want to work with horses the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. He wanted to do something else. But it was like, I work with horses, so I got to learn to like it. And I thought, he came to me and he was asking if he could do different things here while he worked with horses. Finally, I said, you don't want to work with horses the rest of your life, do you? Yeah. And he said, no. I said, why don't you let me help you figure out what you do want to do, and let's get you over there. Mm -hmm. And I said, it probably isn't going to be here, but let me help you. I'm not talking about firing you. I'm not talking about anything else. Just let me help you find something that would actually 
allow you to enjoy the way God made you and not stay here and be miserable. Mm-hmm. Now, he looked at me and said, wow. And they would, from that day on, things were great for him. Mm-hmm. And he's not here anymore, obviously. There were two young people through time that, that I've done that to. There was another one that was here that was here for several years. And after a while, I came and I said, you know, I said, right before I started with him, we had a good relationship. I said, I'm not firing you, but I don't think you belong here anymore. Yeah. And he looked at me and goes, that is the smoothest firing job I've ever had. <laughs> I said, I'm not. I'm just telling you what I think. I think you're frustrated here, and I don't think, I don't think this is the place for you. Yeah. Came back, I think, a week later and said, you know, you're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. I said, so I, let's just figure out what, what you have to do mm-hmm. and get you there. This isn't, again, a prison camp. Right. And maybe God brought you, and I think God brought this individual here for oh, several years just for that person for, mm-hmm. to get to the next stage. Yeah. And then they left, and I thought, well, you should. I think this is really good for you, actually, to mm-hmm. move on. Yeah. I think it's really hard for all of us to see that God could do that and work that way because we're all somewhat fragile to whatever the idea is. Somehow, wherever we work, we have to be successful at what we do. Yeah. And uh, yet success is defined in the Bible, not necessarily as everyone around you liking you, but actually participating within the body part that you actually are. Mm -hmm. And if you find that spot in life, you'll be fulfilled. Yeah. Absolutely. And then really money becomes less important and all that kind of stuff because it's not the driving factor right? Uh, in your life. So another, it, it's interesting because we go down that route and it, as you teach your kids things in life, it's like some, you know, um, do your kids understand the importance of, I mean, how do you teach them the importance of working, saving, giving? Because they actually live kind of sheltered. Mm-hmm. In that sense, yeah, I mean, they don't have to work in order to eat, right? You and your wife are taking care of that. You know, any money they have, it's pretty from right. you, yeah, it's pretty, pretty much from you or grandpa, <laughs> yeah. grandma, or something, right? right. You know yeah. I mean? It's just given to. So them. how do you, how do you teach them that they have to work hard? You know, I mean, some people use money for that. My dad never did; he just made me work hard. But mm-hmm. I mean, how do you teach a child some of the truths in life? You know, you want to reward them to a certain degree. Right. But how do you reward children so they don't end up being all self-centered and just looking for money down the road? Yeah, and I don't know if there's a clear-cut way. I mean, yep. obviously you reward some things and you just say, well, this is just part of being part of this family or part of, you know, being part of camp, you know. Like, right. Like, and we try to think of things to be intentional. I mean, even in previous summers, we'd take an afternoon and say, all right, let's go pick up garbage at camp. Right. You know, it's like, well, why? Well, you know, because we could do our part to help out. Well, why? Absolutely. You know, and so. But it, they it, aren't helping out, Dad. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and you try to teach through those moments to say, you know, or sometimes it's like, well, let's go bring a meal to this person. Right. Well, why? Well, just to be nice to them. Right. You know, um, and you do it in simple ways and you try to help them explain at their at their age level so that hopefully it'll start to stick. And as they get older, then you can have more of that, that dialogue and you know, try to train them in that sense. I would encourage any parent to continue to work with their kids on just serving other people and doing that all the time. Mm -hmm. Just looking, have them start looking for ways to serve other people. Yeah. And of course, we in a camp setting have an ideal place to do that. But anywhere, I mean, I grew up 
my dad was always doing that, and my whole life has been dedicated to that. Yeah. I look at my daughters. They're both. The thing they get the thrill out of in life is serving. Mm-hmm. And they're both doing it. Yeah. You know, they're both in schools. They have different, you know, different loves of, of what God, different personalities. One's a social worker in school. One's a, a teacher. But my goodness, you know, I mean, I will see them go out, find kids that need help, buy them coats. Mm-hmm. They're just because they're poor kids that need help. And they'll, you know, one of them will come up and bring some clothes with her at times, hand them to my wife and ask her to fix them <laughs> because the kids have holes in them and nobody's fixing them. And so they won't wear them. Yeah. And and so there, my wife is on the sewing machine sewing things together for somebody down in another part of the state that just, yeah. and, and for some reason it's ingrained in them. Mm-hmm. That if you see a problem with somebody's life, you got to do something about it. Mm-hmm. You can't just say, "Oh, you have a problem." Yeah. No, you do something, and that's trained in a young person. That isn't something most young people in America grow up today thinking. People need to serve me. Mm-hmm. When you really arrive, I mean, think about it. You go to a restaurant. It's like modern, modernized. This is how I should be served in life. Yeah. Somebody cooks it the way I want it. They bring it to me the way I want it. They make me feel special. And in a, in a weird way that's in the back of our mind is this is how, this is really how you celebrate life. You have other people serve you and do it all for you. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I know that's really a weird, wild, out there thought because I'm not against going to a restaurant and eating and yeah. whatever it might be. But when you think about just looking at it as a kid, you keep looking at all these ways where we keep identifying this is the way to make me more important. Mm. And we never really talk it through with them on on how important it is for us to notice the needs of others and meet it. And that's a skill that's acquired as they're young. I Mm -hmm. mean, as they look and see, um, they can even help people that never even asked for it or don't you know, might be able to help themselves, but they just notice. They just notice there's a need over there. I'm going to go help. Mm-hmm. And when your child gets to that point where they tell you, you know what, this person has a need, I'm going to go help. Yeah. You, you, there's a moment for you right there. Mm-hmm. You didn't tell them to. They recognized somebody that could use help. They went and did it. Yeah. They maybe it was an elderly person who gave them some cookies mm-hmm. or something. You know, I right. no idea. But the fun part is, is to realize my kid isn't all about themselves. Yeah, yep. And that doesn't happen by mistake. So I encourage you somehow to, to look for ways to enrich their eyesight where they see things and say, I can do something about it. Mm-hmm. And they start doing it. Yeah. Um, you won't be sorry because it, kids who are selfless, they grow up to be selfless adults and they actually enhance society. They don't take from it yeah and i think i think that's really important you know as, as we come to a close on the show i think it one of the things that we say time and time again is is if you can focus on loving god and loving others you know that's that's a great way to start you know yes we deal with stuff and we have to um, learn how to manage things but that's that's probably the most important part and even as we we talked on this show you know being able to put others first there's so much satisfaction in that because that's the way it's designed to be 
And so uh, I encourage you, if you want, re-listen to this show. Um, if there's a part that like made you think, um, otherwise feel free to head over to silberatranch.org and you can check out some of the other podcasts that we've put out or check out some of the other episodes and conversations that we have. But ultimately, I encourage you and challenge you, spend some time with God today and love God and love others around you. But for this time on Younger Nola, this is Jason and Dave. Take care. Bye-bye.